Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. A lot can happen in the next 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Introduce our next guest, food and beverage consultant, internet personality, style icon, Ralph Lauren model. <laughs> That's true, right? Yeah. Wait, who is this guy you're describing? <laughs> Former editor at Bon Appetit, host of the Spotify podcast Sound Radio. Correct. DJ of The Love Club, writer for NYC Neighborhood Guides, which benefits charities. Former co-host of mine yes, for an underground drinks and snacks class out of my West Village apartment called Nightcaps, which... Massive rest in peace. Yeah, massive Nightcaps. rest in peace. Well, maybe so much, temporary rest in peace. Yeah, I don't think any doors are permanently closed. <laughs> no. it, was a, it was a big hit pre-COVID, and we're going to do something special in some form. Yes. Please welcome Alex Delaney, my dear, 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 dear friend and yours. Welcome to the podcast. What's That's the a point? great bio. There's a lot of yeah, things there. Yeah, we've got a... We Jasmine got really all. went in. A lot yeah. of things to go <laughs> over. I was like smiling, writing it. I was like, we're going to have so much fun. Like, we always have a good time. We together. always have a good time. This we, is going to be cheers his nose great. when he doesn't drink. That- <laughs> <laughs> that's a new that's a new tradition. That's a new thing. When oh, Alex does dry January instead of cheersing with like a glass. With my tonic water and whatever. I cheers his nose. I have to touch <laughs> Jasmine's wine glass with my nose. <laughs> I was I not the know. one who created Jasmine. <laughs> Delaney brings out a very silly side of me and it's a part of why I love that's, you. That's but we're trying to lean more into yeah, that. More into like my playful silly side. Yeah. So, exactly. That's, that's where we're getting drinks after this. Yeah, that's but the story of my life. On a more serious note and more deep note, yes. the first question we always ask in this podcast is what is your meaning of fulfillment? And what is your definition of success? And then are they correlated at all? Fulfillment and success. I'm the type of person that thinks that like the, my, well, at least from personal experience, my definition of success has changed drastically over my entire life. So if you asked me that question a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago or probably three years from now, I'll give you a different answer. 
But I think the thing that's always been a goal in terms of fulfillment and success is having agency over my own life as someone who's like worked for a big corporation for seven years, the past seven years, and then left and went freelance. The thing that I really wanted when I left like a job that had been a job for a while was to do whatever I wanted to do and do it for me. And I think that right now is something that I think about constantly is like, do I have agency over my decisions? Am I making decisions for me? Am I making them for other people? Do I want to be making them for other people? But I think that right now, success and fulfillment both come from doing things for me and doing things because I want to do them. And doing things on your own time, like flexibility, totally. independence. Totally. And yeah. I'm, uh, there have been points in my life where I've been an absolute workaholic. And there have been points in my life, like right now, where I'm absolutely not a workaholic. Um, I think like I've been working the least amount I've ever worked in my life. And I'm, I will say, would recommend it. Absolutely happy if you can do it. But yeah. Yeah. I think it's like a lot of the like ability to control my time really, really helps me in terms of feeling fulfilled and feeling like when I wake up, I know what I'm going to do with my day or I'm not going to know what I, I'm going to do with my day. And I feel great either way. Energized, right? Yeah. I think what you said just now is like, I'm, I'm actually working less than, you know, I ever have. And I'm not a workaholic right now, but I actually think because now you're freelance, you're doing your own thing, you're in charge of your time, that it doesn't even feel like work. So you're not thinking of it as work. Like you have a much more like easeful relationship with it, right? Am I totally. right? Totally. No, totally. I, uh, yesterday someone was, uh, I was talking to someone uh, yesterday evening and they're like, oh, what'd you do today? And I was like, well, and they're like, did you do anything for work? And I was like, no, no, I didn't do anything for work. And then I like, I was like, but this is what I did. I was like, oh, I had a meeting about an art show that I'm doing. And I had a meeting about a wine pop-up and I had, I had like five meetings yesterday. None of them I thought in my you know, head were actually work. And then she's like, yeah, you had a really busy work today. Right. And it was great because it was just like, oh, yeah, I guess the stuff I'm doing for myself is technically work. Yeah, I think that's a part of what's so fascinating is like you've done a lot of things that you love, right? So incorporating whether that's fashion, music, food, bringing people together, writing, all these things together and have created like a brand around it and have created this whole thing and this whole like identity around it. Do you think we've definitely talked about this a few times, but I would love our listeners to hear this and Annabelle and get into this. But do you think that a lot of that was calculated or more fell into your lap luck? I think it's a bit of both. Like it falls directly in between. And I, for a long time, I was the type of person that said, oh, I was really lucky or, oh, this just happened or whatever. Looking back at it, yeah, that's kind of true, but it's also about putting yourself in the situations where you can be lucky and putting yourself in situations where you're surrounding yourself with people who have the same interests, who are just as passionate about the same things that you're passionate about, and people that want to see you win as well. And I, for a long time, I was like, yeah, I just got lucky. Like other people, you know, kind of stood up for me in certain ways or taught me things. But looking back in it, it it's a, it's definitely a balance between pursuing the things that I wanted to pursue and finding other people who were doing the same thing. And those people helped me get to where, you know, I wanted to go. Creating a community around it. Totally. totally. Because when we used to speak about this, like it might have been a few years ago, time is weird. But I remember you being like, I feel like it just all sort of happened for me. But it sounds like that's shifted and after some it introspection. Yeah, it definitely has. 
But that's not to say that I don't, that's not to say that I had a plan for, for what my life was like. Like I never planned on working in magazines. I never planned on becoming a writer. I never planned on being anything in the food world. I never planned on, you know, hosting successful YouTube shows. I never planned on like leaving the greatest job I ever had, you know, yeah. but it, they were all just things that happened. And I think that was kind of a symptom of me when I was young. And I feel like this is something that a lot of millennials can probably relate to is that I was like of the mindset, I have to say yes to everything. Like when I'm at work, it's like, oh, Alex, can you do this? I'm like, yeah, of course I can do that. Like mm-hmm. I want to I be the best employee ever. You know, I, I'm going to pick up eight times as much responsibility as I should. I wouldn't always recommend that, but it did work out for me. Like when I started writing at Bon Appetit, I worked in the art department. I was really passionate about craft beer at the time. It was 2014, so <laughs> craft beer was still relevant. Yeah. Um, not that it's not, but not as much. Um, no hate to craft beer. Yeah, no, we still love craft beer. But someone asked me to write a story about craft beer while I was doing my other job in the art department. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I just kept writing stories for them while I was doing my other job. That's how I got a job offer as an editor. They really liked my writing. And the same thing happened with video. Like the first time I ever hosted a video series at Bon Appetit, one of the editors that was supposed to go to Chicago and film this series was just way too busy to do it. And they had already booked all this travel and done all this stuff. And they were like, hey, Alex, do you want to go do this? And I was like, well, I've never like been in front of a camera or anything that has to do with producing a, a show. And they're like, yeah, but we think you'd be good at it. So like, do you want to do it? And I was just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go. And yeah. I did. And that turned out to be a pretty big success. Um, yeah. So stuff like that, that's just kind of like the plan was never there. I just said yes to it. And but you had the sense of like curiosity and exploration, totally. which kind of led you to get to that. Do you feel like you have that same sort of like yes mentality in your personal life as well as professional? I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're going to have to debunk that because that was a long-winded answer. I, well, here's the thing. It's like it's there's been like a half-life to it. I would, I would have, again, like seven years ago, I would have said, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now it's like been slowly, you know, my percentage rate of saying yes to things has been slowly decaying. So now I'm a little more selective with like how I spend my time, who I spend my time with. And that's professionally and personally too. But again, if it's something that I'm passionate about, if it's someone that I'm passionate about, if it's a community that I'm passionate about, like it's usually a yes. I actually think that's a healthy thing too, to like not be saying no, uh, yes to everything because, you know, you have to protect your energy at a certain totally, point too. Totally, totally. And I embrace a lot of old man habits. I'll say that, you know, solo walks, wine at home instead of going out, just kind of like conserving the energy for sure. Conserving your tank. Yeah, but it's yeah. also like knowing what fills you up and like what's in your like inner toolkit to recharge. So alone time for you like helps you kind of like refocus and- totally. I don't know. I think like with my social media presence, I think a lot of people assume that I'm like always out and I'm always seeing someone uh, for a meeting or for, well, not romantically. Uh, Well, maybe. Who knows? Um, (laughs) We'll get to that. We'll get to that. that. But no, I think that like I present very much like on social media as an extrovert, as someone who's always out, who's always doing something, who's always hosting an event. But I'm the type of person that's like if I, you know, am DJing on Saturday Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I'm not doing anything. Like I've seen enough people. I've done enough out in the world. Like I need to recharge at home by myself or out in the world, but by myself. Yeah. I think people, it's so easy. We're like living in the age of assumptions. 
because of social media, which we do to ourselves in some way, but no one, yeah, everyone just thinks they know someone really well because they're like, oh, well, aren't you this? And you're like, actually, I was, I was very depressed during that time. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's, you never know. So let's talk about dating. Okay. You've had a few partners in the last, and some more serious than others. Yes, yes. In the last few years. Yeah. Longer than a few years, I would say. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about dating Alex Delaney. Oh, jeez. And um, kind of what you've learned, because I feel like the last time we had dinner, which was about a month ago, yeah. I was personally, as your friend, like very impressed and like humbled by the way that I felt like you had really gone inward about a lot of your break, like post a lot of your breakups. And it was a side of you that I knew about, but not as well. And I was very humbled by that. And if you are willing to be vulnerable with us, we'd love to hear about that and like what you've learned from those experiences, how they've shaped you. Yeah. I'm sure plenty of people yeah. who are listening to this will love to hear about what it's like <laughs> to date Alex Wayne. Well, damn, where where do I even start what it's like to date me? Um, <laughs> I I have never dated me, so I'm not totally sure. But I've had like over the past, let's say, four years, like a few relationships, some more serious than others, some a lot more serious than others. And I think I will say I've learned a lot from all of them. I've learned a lot about myself from all of them. I'm not a consistent person. Um, well, I'm consistent in a lot of ways in my life. But, you know, becoming a new person, going freelance was like a really big shakeup in my last serious relationship. Um, not initially, but like, you know, when you lose a part of your life that's, you know, at some points defining. Like when I was at Bon Appetit, I was like Alex from Bon Appetit. I wasn't Alex. Yeah, people would stop you on the street when we'd be like walking in the West Coast. Uh, last night. Last night. Really? Someday, yeah. Yeah, it's um, crazy. But not to discredit the person that was dating me at the time, like that's very much who I was in our relationship, in, you know, the outside world, in my own private world. And when I left, I kind of like, not immediately, but a bit after went through a bit of like an identity crisis and was like, who the fuck am I? I said, I'm leaving to just be my own person, but who's that guy? And I got like pretty depressed and like not knowing who you are, even if you kind of, kind of do. Um, but anyway, that kind of identity uh, and who you change as a person from relationship to relationship, because I don't think that you're the same person if you're dating one person and then dating another, I think like you have to be a different person at yeah. least a little bit. You're, you're also changed, always evolving too. Yeah. Like every day you're oh, evolving to totally, a new person. Totally, yeah. totally. But I, I dated a couple people that were not from a career standpoint, from a socioeconomic standpoint, from a just straight up financial standpoint, were very different from me. And I've always looked at myself as like, I'm someone who's really passionate and really interested in things and really into sharing experiences with people and showing people things and trying to light a fire in other people. I, I always, that's like my biggest joy in life is like, Hey, I want to show you this really fucking cool thing. And they're like, yeah, this is really fucking cool. I love this. That's my ultimate, you know, turn on. But at the same time, um, I'm like, I don't make the most money in the world. I'll say that very openly. Um, and it's not consistent either. Like being a freelancer, is a bit here and there. And that kind of like became a bit of a problem in a couple of the relationships. There was like, let's say I was dating a very, very, very 
grind forward girl boss who kind of like told me I really was, I was like a bit worthless. And that's how she broke up with me. And it was kind of shitty, but kind of told me it was like, hey, uh, you know, you're not ambitious enough. You're not making enough money. You're not spending enough time, like, you know, developing yourself as an influencer. And then, which is, jeez, um, I, don't, I don't think anyone should be, you know, spending that much time developing themselves <laughs> as an influencer. But it, it got to the point where I was like, that really fucked me up. And I, I was like, I thought I was very comfortable with who I was. And this person broke up with me. And I was like, damn, this is like kind of a heavy blow to me. Unexpectedly, I thought I would be okay. And then I was like, whoa, I'm not okay at all. And I just kind of forgot who I was for a second. I was like, wow, this this version of this of me that this person wants to exist in the world doesn't exist. And that now I feel really worthless because that version of me doesn't exist. And finally got to the point where I was like, wait a minute, I it, that version of me doesn't exist for a reason because that's not who I am. And the past, I'll say like, the past year in multiple ways has been really looking at myself and worrying about what makes me happy and worrying about, again, that going back to the fulfillment and having agency over my own life. I love doing absolutely nothing with my day. <laughs> Some people that I've dated did not admire that about me. I really admire that about me. Yesterday, like I said, I had a bunch of meetings the day before. I think I walked around, went to two bookstores, had a coffee at 1 p.m., sat by myself, ate lunch, and went record shopping on a Monday. And that is like what I want my life to be. Um, but in relationships, like that's kind of tough. And finding the person that respects that is definitely a goal um, for me. And I'm like, I'm not in girlfriend's territory now, but um, I've been like seeing someone for the past month, I would say who really does respect that and really like leans into that and likes that about me, I think. So right now, relationship wise, I'm actually feeling pretty happy. Okay, good. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I, I really so honest with us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I really like that you said it's like someone who can like respect your quirks and respect like your day to day because that's how you shine. Right. Like my husband like comes up with these like crazy ideas all the time and he thinks he's going to be a billionaire, all you know, and at first I was just like, this is so weird. But <laughs> now I've like, and you know, I've really learned to like accept him for who he is. And in that I see his soul shine. Like when he's doing those things and like, just like on a walk, like thinking, because that's so important to him. I used to just be like, why can't you just hang out with me? You're on a walk yourself. It's like, no, like that's where I come up with all my ideas. That's where I get creativity and inspiration. And the more I could just stop like projecting on that and just be like, wow, how beautiful it is that my husband has this part of himself and he knows like what works for him and just like love him for it versus projecting my thing or like, why aren't you spending your time doing what I do? We're different people. Yeah. Right. So if you go to the bookstore and sit at a coffee shop, you're probably garnering a ton of like inspiration for yourself and you're recharging yourself so that tomorrow you can go to those meetings. Right. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So I think it's just like it's I think it's a mix of like acceptance and finding someone who can, you know, respect you for who you are. But it's really finding someone who can accept you for who you are. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And yeah, it's, the other thing, too, is that like I think there are there are people in the world that you meet 
and you're like, okay, I know exactly who this person is in my life. I know this is the friend that does this for me. I know this is the romantic partner that fulfills this need. I know whatever it may be. But a lot of the times, like, you don't know that at first. And maybe you date someone and you're really in love with them. And there comes a point where you're like, okay, wait, you are supposed to be in my life, but this is not the way you're supposed to be in my life. Or a friend like that, where you're like, hey, we've had a friendship for a really long time. But why did we never think about each other in another way? So I, I think about that a lot. It's kind of like when you meet someone, what the circumstance is, if there's, you know, enough of a support network behind that person to like take a leap. Maybe there's not. But I think like the timing of meeting someone and the intention of meeting someone is also something very important when it comes to dating and also friendship. Yeah, yeah. timing really is everything. And like taking the leap, Jasmine knows, but I was stuck in like a job that I really didn't like and I wanted to start my own company, but I'm was like a timid little Canadian. I'm from Montreal originally. And okay. I just like never thought that I could quit my job and start a company. I was trapped by my visa for forever. I was like, uh, I yeah. can't because then I'm going to get deported and whatever. And I truly believe that like my husband that came into my life to like help me also at the beginning, just like be like, no, 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 you can do this. Like, and he was an entrepreneur. So it's also like from an expansion level to see it day to day, be like, no, 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 I can do this and like help me through that transition. So I truly believe that like some people like come into your life and it doesn't have to be your forever person, but to like help you, give you the support that you need in that time or help you uncover totally. something about yourself in that moment so that you can be a better person. Yeah. And even the, the not so great experiences, like the one you described, like that didn't make you feel good, but it did make you reflect on like it in a way, it sounds like it was a catalyst for self-acceptance. Like you're like, wait, totally. like maybe that isn't who I am, but I actually quite like that about yeah. myself. And yeah. I've actually found that in most of my breakups, that's like what I've ended up coming to. You learn a lot, more, almost more through failure. We don't really believe in failure, but like failure and breakups sure. and quitting and like you learn actually more in those moments because they're really heart wrenching. And and when you've been intimate with someone, like I can't imagine someone saying something like that to me. That's really brutal. Like, yeah, that's hurtful, you know, about anything. And it completely makes you question your self-concept. And I remember reading this thing about Kobe Bryant. And it was like, Kobe was so successful because his family gave him like a safe space to fail. And like, yeah. he was very accepted and it was like unconditional love. And I think when we accept people, and this is like, not just romantically, but like our friends, our colleagues, the people we work with, the people we run into, the people in the elevator, or like accept life as it is, we free ourselves and we free them to like relax yeah. and be okay. Yeah. We free ourselves of suffering, too, because we have so many expectations of things, of people to show up for us, of, like, roles that people should take because yeah. that's in our fantasy. But in the end of the day, they're not hurting because they don't even care. They don't even know that this is going on in your head. Yeah. You're suffering and you're causing your own suffering. Like, this is something so that I've had to work on in therapy all the time is, like, accepting people for who they are and then accepting circumstances and situations for what they are. Because by me trying to force and change it, I'm never going to change it. I can't control it. Totally. So now, yeah, you like, can't control why, why am I causing my own suffering? Yeah. I and know. It's, it's also the, like, I mean, this is something I th I have been, over the past year, I've been working on being a lot more open, not necessarily in terms of like accepting other people, but open literally in 
me saying what I'm thinking and being a good communicator with people. Um, because that in one of my long-term relationships was uh, ultimately ended the relationship was like a lack of communication and not, you know, saying what needed to be said or explaining things the way that like in a very unfiltered way and being honest. And I think that that's a massive, and that's, that's like, yes, romantically that's come up a lot, but also in a, in a business sense, in a friendship sense, I think there's like this thing that happens when you share and share and share and share what you're thinking, how you think about yourself, how you think about what other people do for you or do to you or do around you. It's just the more information that gets put on the table, the easier it is for other people to look at that information and say, okay, this is how Alex is thinking, or this is how Jasmine is thinking. How can I use this new context and like build a better thing because I know more about this person and they know more about me. So it's just like putting more tools in your tool belt, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's also like a, you've just strike the balance, right? Because actually Chloe is our friend. Yeah. She, I remember in my previous relationship, I was complaining about something to her and she was like, well, it sounds like that's your problem. Like this is your preference. You voiced it to him. He doesn't align with you. And now you make that decision. Yeah. And I remember being that really stuck with me because I was like, you're right. Like at some point you can share and then you also have to have the boundary of like, well, if my needs aren't being met, whether that's in a business relationship or a romantic, it doesn't really matter. Even in a friendship, you have to ultimately make that call of like, okay, well, it sounds like we're not aligned. And if this is a big priority for me, like I have to walk away from this. Totally. Yeah. And by you sharing and you being direct, you're also holding space for that other person to be direct with you. And exactly. Make sure if you guys are not aligned, then, you know, you can move forward from it. Yeah. Totally. Something that you mentioned that I don't even know where I want to go with this, but I think it is a fascinating topic is the relationship between men and money. Yeah. Because it's difficult. <laughs> and I like, I see it, you know, I see it not just with guy friends, but with partners, with even my dad's relationship to money, like what money meant to him coming to this country with nothing. And I just want to put that on the table to talk yeah. about because I think it's a really fascinating thing. And I do think there's a lot of shame that men carry if Either they're not making money or if it's not a priority, which ultimately, again, it sounds like it's the other person's problem, right? Yeah, yeah. But it is an interesting... Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting topic, but battle. I just want to like point out that I feel like, yeah, men have a specific relationship to it, but I think everyone has their own shit with money, right? For everyone sure. has their For own sure. crazy think, relationship, but because a male is like... Yes, heterosexual relationships, be, yeah. there yes. is this like standard which I am a bit of a traditionalist in that sense, right? Like I sure. like to be courted, whatever. So like I can play both sides. Like I, it's a, it's a complex thing. That's why I say like men, yeah. especially straight men, yeah. if they're in a dynamic with someone who expects certain things, like, but that is difficult, right? And so the push and pull of that is hard. Totally. And it's funny that you said um, not a priority. There have been different points in my life where I feel like making money has either been unbelievably stressful, something that I don't think about at all, or anywhere in between. I, like, I'm the first person to say this. I have never been, like, a finance guy. I'm not, like, a, an investor. I'm not, it's like, it has never been part of my family. It's never been, like, a thing that I was taught. 
And that is like certainly a blind spot. Maybe I should do some some work there and figure it out. But but who says you should? Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. So I'm the type of person that like if something could make me money and monetizing it is going to make the thing worse, I won't monetize it. I'm very much like if I'm working on a project, that's my project. Like there, there are like three things right now that I've been thinking about maybe charging for that I give away for free that could arguably make me a substantial amount of money. And it just has never hit the point where I'm like, this needs to happen. It's going to make the project better. It's not going to, or it's going to make me more interested in the project. I know it's not going to. And I think that's a really interesting, like, I don't know. It's something that I've thought a lot about. Like, how does the worth of something that I'm working on depend on how much money mm-hmm. I'm gaining from it? Because I also, like, I grew up in an upper upper middle class family in the suburbs. Like, again, my I one of four. I wasn't, like, you know, flying on private jets or, you know, doing whatever. But, like, I grew up comfortably. And I'm lucky in that sense. I also decided to work in media, which <laughs> coming out of college, I made $35,000 a year, yeah. lived in New York City. Yeah. Financially, that it's was crazy. not the smartest move. Like, I should have taken another job, not lived in New York, commuted, whatever. I think it's a rite of passage. It, yeah. I think it is. It. I, and you do it, yeah. You do it, yeah. yeah. And it's we like, all, all right, it. well, we're blowing out the credit card again this month, you know? Oh, like, my God, yeah. I think about working at Vice, and I'm like, yeah. what was going on there? Yeah. Um, but I think my relationship with money has changed throughout my my entire life. And like sometimes I've made more, sometimes I've made less. But I think men, again, I think it's a case by case basis. But yeah, but there is something like, loaded. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a loaded. loaded topic, not asking you to sure. speak for all men. <laughs> no, just for uh, your. But it is an interesting men. topic, and I do see like how that's difficult and like yeah, and it's it's not black and white. So as you said, which I love that you said, just like you care more about yourself being authentic versus making money. So if it comes down to monetizing something that doesn't feel authentic to you, you're not going to do it, right? And so to bring it back to dating, it's like you need to find a woman who respects that and loves you for that because I think that's part of your magic. And so if there's going to be a woman who's going to be like, no, no, like make money because we need to go on trips to Bali and whatever. (laughs) It's just like, that's probably, she probably doesn't see you for who you are, right? (laughs) So it's like- But I I really do think like that is such a core part of you too. And the reason why you've been so successful in the sense that like so many people resonate with you and the community that you've built and all these businesses you started and all that, because like you're just being your authentic self and you're not trying to like attach like, uh, oh, when it gets to like this many followers or when it gets this many subscribers, like I'll be successful and I've made money and whatever. You're just following your fun. Yeah, Uh, I think I actually like, that following my fun. Um, <laughs> that's, I might, might use that. Um, Please do. I didn't copyright it. Okay, cool. I'm about to. <laughs> um, yeah, that's been the consistent thing throughout my entire life is that I spend time doing things that I enjoy and make me happy or that I'm interested in um, that I feel like will expand me as a person. And it's, yeah, that kind of battle between should I make money from this? And is it going to detract from my happiness is like an ongoing thing for sure with me personally. Um, and I'm sure other people do. Yeah. Kareem actually said that yesterday. He said, you don't necessarily need to monetize. Alessandra said the same thing on our podcast, but like, yeah, you don't do, we really need to monetize every hobby. Yeah. But I think there's also the idea that sounds pretty fucking fun. Like, 
that you're just doing something like we love doing this podcast. Hell yeah. And as of right now, we're not making money off of it, but we love doing it. Like it's energizing for us. We're meeting fun people. We're having great conversations. And so we're like, yeah, I guess like we wouldn't be upset if it made money, you know, like, but it's, it is interesting. It's like even us trying to monetize, we're like, oh, this isn't the fun part. Like this isn't why we're doing this. It's more of like when it comes naturally. Yeah. It's like when you start a business or a passion project and it's out there in the universe and then it so happens to like bring in money it's like wow like that's a beautiful thing like if you look at like influencers and i know there's a lot of like shade sometimes on influencers it's like it's really beautiful that they can just like go out there put their self out there and then make money doing like what they love right yeah and so i think when it starts from a place of like a hobby or a passion to monetize it, but then to f- to force monetization on things, I think those are two separate things. Yeah, force yeah. versus flow. Totally. Yeah. But then again, like, you know, like, it's a time energy spent, right? If you're like a single mom with three kids and you, you can't just like pick up and like go start recording podcasts and not make any money from it totally. because you need to be doing like... You know, there's yeah. there's a lot of other responsibilities there. So I think it's like it's a whole balance there. It is that like for instance, at the end of last year with the the podcast that I do called Sound Radio, I took like three months off. I took like November, December and January off because I don't make any money from that podcast at all. I, again, I do it because I love it. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask people what music they're into and get cool new music to listen to. But there was a point in November where I was like traveling a ton for work. December, I was traveling a ton for work. And I was in the beginning of November, I was trying to schedule all these podcasts. And I was just like, dude, this is not fucking worth it. You're not making any money from this. You can take a break. You can come back later. And that's what I did. And I knew that like if I tried to keep doing that while I had all of these other responsibilities, the podcast would suffer. If I tried to like make myself motivated to do the podcast with all these responsibilities by charging for it, the podcast would still suffer. Um, so I just stopped doing it and came back for a second season and now it's it's back. And it's, I'll say, still as good. Yeah. Well, it's also <laughs> kind of goes back to what you're saying about like leaving relationships and like be communicating, but then also making the, like knowing when it's time to make the call. It's like a similar thing, setting that boundary and just knowing like it was going to suffer. So what, like being okay with being okay for now, I can put this aside. And similar to what you're going through, Annabelle's being much more mindful of her energy because she's very pregnant and being like, it's okay. Like I will go back to working more and all of that. But for now I can rest. Yeah. And different phrases, you need different things in your life, right? Absolutely. I think the thing, the overarching concept here is like, we're evolving creatures. We're not supposed to be standing still, right? So if one thing fulfills you one day, then great. And if tomorrow it no longer, then take a look at that and say, maybe it's not needed anymore. Yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's a famous, well, maybe semi-famous. I don't know how many people know it. Um, but a quote from Ben Franklin, which is like one of my favorite quotes of all time, uh, is the minute you stop changing is the minute you stop. And that's like it for me. That's constant. Yeah, that's a good quote. Okay, I want to talk a bit about mental health. You kind of touched on it. And we talked about this earlier. Like, I think we live in a world, which I am guilty of this as well, where we make a lot of assumptions about what we see on social media. And as a very yeah. socially active person, like both in real life and online, I can imagine that, I guess what I'm asking is like, how has that affected? Because if you are going through something, right, you're feeling depressed. Like me, when I was in LA, like until I had dinner with you at Wild Air, like I didn't... Yeah that night I didn't know what you were going through like how has having a social presence affected your mental health how like how are the two relate like what's your relationship with it I know that you took yeah. a break from social media for a bit like yeah. yeah I I think with social media and mental health it's it's a funny thing like if my main source of income was not being on social media I'm sure I would have a totally different relationship with social media and that's something that I think about literally every time I press post on a sponsored post or whatever thing. I'm like, Jesus, this is the thing. But it is about assumption so much. Like the, the relationship that people that follow me have with me is non-existent. Like we have no actual relationship, right? Unless you know me and, you know, we've hung out and whatever. You get to see a fraction of me. And I think like, Going through whether it was breakup, whether it was dealing with like new job stuff, whether it was dealing with financial stuff, whether it was whatever, the thing that like you have to prioritize is the relationships you have with real people. And that's something that has always been there for me. I have amazing friends. I have friends that are just absolute shitheads and I have, and that's great. And they support me. And I have friends that are the most, you know, the deepest thinkers and, they support me too, but building out a network of people in the real world that you can call up and say, hey, do you have half an hour? Like at some point today, I just need to talk to you about this. That is something that social media has made me prioritize even more. Like I think the more I spend, the more time I spend on social media, the more I make sure to prioritize my real relationships with friends. Because it's also funny, we're in a, we're in a place where it's like, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, my friend, yada, yada. And you're like, oh, shit, you know, yada, yada. And like, well, you know, we kind of follow each other on social media. And yeah, we, we, like, we, we had like three DMs. And you're like, you don't fucking know that person. Um, yeah, it's I mean, I'm guilty of it, too, though, because you do somehow feel like connected to that person. Totally, right? Totally. Where I'm like, oh, yeah, like we had mutual friends and then we followed each other. And like we were talking about where they were eating dinner last night. <laughs> <laughs> and then like I find myself being like oh that's my friend and it's like you're right it's not really my friend yeah it's just I think and I think like I just have to constantly I, I kind of had to audit myself on this too there was a long time when I was like all social media all the time this is the real world this is my life just because I was on it so much I was interacting with people that I was working with on social media so much I was interacting with people that followed me for a long time who wanted to know where to eat in New York and you know, wanted to know what wine shop in Los Angeles is the best or whatever. And 
waking up immediately looking at my phone, doing the thing and just being like, whoa, dude, you need to take a step back. You need to like just realize that a lot of this comes with a very rosy, you know, filter over it. It's not always that real. It's not always that nice. You shouldn't always be communicating with everyone. That is like the most, that also really messed up my mind a lot. It's like just constant stimulation from people that you don't know, asking you for things, expecting things from you. I think the the biggest kind of hurdle that I overcame was I'm, I'm a people pleaser. Like I, I want everyone to be happy. I want, that's why I like entertaining. That's why I like making drinks for people. That's why I like serving people food. That's why I like sharing music with people. And that can be nice for the people, but it can also be really not nice for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and social media is like, especially on Instagram, where, where people are like asking me 35 times a day, hey, I'm in New York City for two nights. Where am I eating tonight? What's the thing? And it's You're- like, we've never met. We don't know each other. And for a long time, I answered every single person. You should make that a paywall. <laughs> I should have like Don't a little private, I should have a little landline in but my again, apartment. But again, it's like, it's about like this external validation or external like praise. Like they'll be like, yeah. oh my God, thank you so much. And then, right. And then you kind of, when you're out of social media and your actual word when, when you're alone and not on the apps, you're like, holy shit. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. It's well, then you're like really, I, felt that way recently going through my breakup. I was like, wow, I really use my phone, not even just Instagram, but mess texting people to like just distract from myself. Oh, totally. And it's that's like such the world's, a crazy thing yeah, to think about. It's the world's greatest avoidance tool. It's, I didn't, you know? re- I guess I knew that in theory. I didn't really experience it until I put a, the kibosh on it. I was like, I don't want to do this. But yeah. I was like, I'm not even, if I was like texting Annabelle for advice, I'm not actually listening to her advice. I'm just grasping. I'm like, okay, like whatever it is. And that's crazy to think about. Yeah. We're definitely. all doing it all oh, the no, time. Oh, no, everyone all the time. So at the times where you felt like not in the best state mentally, like how do you get yourself out of that? A few different ways. Most of the time it involves like distancing myself like, from my phone, mm-hmm. whether that's through hanging out with, friends, whether that's going on, I do this a lot. I'll just leave my phone at home. I'll say, okay, I'm going to go to four record stores right now and walk all around downtown Manhattan and be off my phone for three hours and just do something that I really love. That to me is like, I'm someone that loves a lot of things, but I'm also someone that needs a lot of reminders that I love those things. And giving myself the time where it's just me and diving into something that I really, really enjoy, that to me is like the ultimate buoy that like balances me out so nicely. And being able to like come back to my apartment, look at my phone and and be like, okay, I just existed without this <laughs> for three hours. I was supremely happy. I'm still the person that I've always been. I still love the things that I've always loved. That's going to be there for me. That's something that helps me constantly. Just like reminding myself that it's not necessarily about who is in my life, who is not in my life. It's not necessarily what is in my life, how much money is in my life. If they're the things that I'm passionate about and I remain passionate about, that's like free 99. That's happiness right there for me whenever I want it. So really committing to the things that I feel like bring me happiness is how I double down and level myself, I guess, when I'm feeling a little out of whack. And what would you say to people who like maybe don't know as much of like the things that bring them happiness? Like it seems like 
your whole life, you've always like had a lot of things that you enjoy, right? So you've always had these like passions and things you love that like light you up. Yeah. But I think some people, you know, they go into the corporate world and then they're like bogged down by society's conditioning. And then they're like, I don't even know what my passion is. Totally. So it's like, how do you cultivate that? I mean, I think it's, it's a couple things. First off, I'll say like when I, when I first moved to New York, the things that I was interested then far fewer than the things that I'm interested in now. So like, I I don't think it's like, you can't view it as I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to have these passions. Like that's not how it works. I think when I moved to New York, the thing that I was really passionate about was craft beer, which was like, again, I was a kid that just graduated college and like, of course I'm obsessed with beer, you know, but that led me to other things in the New York city drinks world in the bar world in the music world through hospitality in the interior design world through hospitality. I think there's like this approach and this is how I've usually taken it that like loving one thing opens up the door to love something else. And I think you can learn to love something you can get there. And instead of like being like, all right, I love the thing. Like, don't stop. That's, that's not what you should do. You're like, okay, I love this thing. What else can I look at or read about or talk to someone about that involves this thing that opens another door to explore something else. And I think people should really, again, if you're giving yourself the chance to love something for five seconds or the next 50 years of your life, like take the chance, open yourself up to anything, explore everything. Again, if it's a short exploration and it doesn't work, that's great. You know, you don't like that thing. If it's a short exploration and you're like, oh, fuck, there's a catalyst here. There's a spark. Something's happening. That's great because now you have something else to explore. So I think like a lot of people close themselves off and are scared to like keep exploring things and uh, yeah i guess my advice would be don't don't stop like foster your curiosity exactly exactly yeah yeah um i actually feel like especially in my early to mid-20s everything was like kind of similar to what we were talking about like this efficiency being productive it was like nothing's worth exploring or doing unless it like gets me something something. so like it has to have a result right so it's like i i have to explore this because maybe it'll make me money or I have to go to the gym because maybe it will. It's like a means to an end Yeah. versus it's so funny. I think especially since COVID, but definitely as an adult, like even Nightcaps was like not was born out of me being like, I really want to learn more about wine. Like I love eating out. I love wine. I'm a foodie, whatever. And yeah. Delaney being like, want to do an Amaro tasting and it just worked (laughs) out and it was just like fun for fun like there was no real intention of just like we both like bringing people together we both like to host he has all this like wealth of information on amazing drinks and foods and all these things and I feel like that's honestly the first expression at least for me personally where I was like oh I don't this doesn't need to be the next big thing this doesn't need to like yeah and even it's fun like it's just so funny how that evolves. But even playing tennis, like I play tennis yeah. all the time. And, and now I want, you want to start a tennis company. Yes. But I also ultimately, like when I started playing during the pandemic, I was doing it all the time and wanted to get better. Not because I think I'm going to Wimbledon, even though I keep joking, I'm going to Wimbledon. Like, <laughs> you are, you and are. maybe I am. Yeah, you know, we'll like, be watching you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like it's not like it doesn't have to. I think like we're yeah. so, which maybe is an American thing. I don't know. I can't speak for Karen, but it's like everything has to be for something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that's something that people really lose sight of is the fact that like you being happy 
is something. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, And by oh, the way, that's what on your deathbed you're going to think about. Exactly. Not the, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's so, I love, I love how that's shifted for me. And I've seen that shift for a lot of people around me. But yeah, it's like this weird culture where it's like you have to like, it's almost competitive and it's like you're no. not enjoying the journey you're just trying to find the outcome of like whatever that is i think it's for the process. me yeah. yeah for me it's like covid really enabled me to take the step back and be led by curiosity instead of commitments because i started a airport ghost kitchen company and my whole business went on pause during covid yeah. so i had nothing to do. And that was the first time in my life that I didn't have things to do. And I was forced to go inwards and to be led by curiosity. And that was such a pivotal time for me that I look back on it, that I just did things because I liked them. And I read books and I took courses. I would have never done that before. Yeah. But it's like, how do we get in the mindset as a society to to do the things that bring you joy and the things you're curious about versus like, does this make money? Is this a good use of my time? What will people think if I'm doing this? Like all the other manic brain, monkey mind things that we think about, yeah. whether, why don't we just say, well, no, because it brings me joy and I'm curious about it. So I want to do it. And and I also think too, again, the fostering the curiosity thing. I've always looked at doing one thing as something that's informed by everything else about you. And I look at, you know, picking up a new interest or spending time doing something else, not as like, you know, let's like I've been, what have I been exploring lately? Let's see. So, okay. Over the past two years, I've gotten really, really into art books, which is like the nerdiest shit of all time. But I love art books. I love artist produced books. I collect them. I think they're so fucking cool. But exploring a new thing, like I don't look at that as like, okay, this is, I'm doing this because I'm going to achieve something with this. I look at that and say, okay, this is actually increasing my value as a person because it is another thing that I know about and it is going to inform what I know about interior design, what I know about publishing, what I know about design, what I know about music, what I know about everything. So I look at every new interest that I pick up or that anyone can pick up, not as like this is going to distract, but this is like an all boats rise situation. This is going to make me a more valuable person and it's going to inform if I'm a writer, like when I was at Bon Appetit, I wrote mostly about drinks, but I could write just as passionately about menswear or about graphic design history. And that made me a more valuable drinks writer because I knew about these other things. And I think being a well-rounded person now is not necessarily held up as like this shining thing. I think society really puts the focus on like, Specialist. I'm a master of this thing. Yeah. And I and again, I think social media has a big part to play in that. But I have always been attracted to, liked hanging out with, respected, liked working for people who are well-rounded people, not one-dimensional. I want as many dimensions as possible. Yeah. And I think that's that's another thing that like finding new interests is committing to like making yourself a more all around tasteful, all around informed and cultured and cultured person. Yeah. And I, I think that's like a really big part of expanding your universe, quite literally. Yeah. That was that was great. That was I remember a huge reading wisdom. an article so long ago that was like, we live in a society that rewards specialists, but multi hyphenates have so much to offer. And so even even for me when I would like go and I ended up working for some really cool companies, but I was like my skill set isn't 
you know, something you write on a resume, really. Like, yeah, yeah can I do, can I write? Can I do these things? Do I have some talents? Of course, but like, it's so, it is true. We just, we are living in a society that doesn't really reward that. And I think corporate culture doesn't really reward that, which makes sense that, yeah. you know, none of us really wanted to be in corporate culture sitting at this table. And it is for some people, which I understand. Like totally. some people, they have a specialty and that's like their deep passion, their life's work. And that's totally fine. But something I was going to ask you is because we live in this world that rewards specialists and we are, live in a world that we've talked about this many times, Annabelle and I, that rewards a commitment heavy schedule. Like we glorify busyness. We're like being busy is cool. It's like, oh, I'm so busy. I can't, I can't get to that. Like whatever, like that. I've even found myself being like, oh, like if I'm not busy, am I not worthy? Am I not smart? Am I not doing enough? Like, am I, am I, I remember even at corporate jobs I had, I would get my work done sooner than most people. And I'd be like, well, like, what am I supposed to do now? And am I a slacker because I have nothing else to do and there's nothing else to take on? Like, I think that's, I guess my question is like, how do you, and you kind of touched on it at the beginning per what your ex said about you being a certain type of person that wants to walk around all day on a Monday and then so you could have a busy day Tuesday. How do you start to accept that about yourself when everyone is obsessed with this idea of like busy is better? Yeah. I don't know if there's if I have an answer that's just like this is how I accepted that. I think it's like it's something that you learn over time or something that I learned over time. Again, reminding myself it's like it's not about my productivity, it's not about how much money I make hourly per day every day of the week. It's more so about when I go to bed, am I like cool with it, you know? Am I happy? Am I am I like today was overall a pretty fucking great day? And committing like the way I live my life to that. I don't know if there's if there's like an answer answer That's to that question. That's a pretty good answer. No, that is a good. That answer. is like leading with at the end of the day, am I like proud of who I was yeah. and How what I, I did? Up exactly. I think that actually did I up level myself that. today? Yeah, exactly. It's all about yourself and it's not about like other people, right? It's about did you improve? Are you a better person? Totally. Did you yeah. show up? Did you have fun? Totally. And that and like achieving that. Like, I know the days where I didn't show up. And I know the days where yeah. I'm like, dude, you kind of bricked it today. Like, there wasn't, you maybe you wasted some time. You're not that happy going to bed. It wasn't your finest of days. But on the days where I'm like, yes, I did. I absolutely killed it. I was happy all day. I either accomplished something or didn't. But I know I'm going to bed happy. I know on those days, too, I have a higher probability of making other people's days happier. Yeah. Like, being there and being in the right state of mind for other people too. It's again, it's just like all ships rise. Yeah. Like that's gratifying in and of itself. So you're by nature of what you do, you put yourself out there a lot. Do you ever feel insecure about that or like have doubts? Cause uh, are you yeah. just so in it, you know? Cause like it is, I mean, even speaking from personal experience, like posting our podcast, you can ask Annabelle. I was like, I don't want people to know we have a podcast. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> like a, such a vulnerable one. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. like, I don't want people to think that I like am a guru and master and should have a, like I was had so many weird, not weird, but interesting things come up. And that, I mean, I guess I made this joke last night. I was like, I thought I was an open public person because I'm socially active both on and offline yeah 
And then I realized that posting a really good martini is not being vulnerable. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm, I'm like public, but like in the most vapid. Yeah. yeah but yeah, like, yeah. I applaud vapid things too. You're allowed to yeah. be shallow. Like, of who cares? Course. Like, that's something I enjoy doing and of who cares? Course. But yeah, like I, I, for the, me personally, that really came up and Annabelle was very supportive about that. And like, you, I leaned into the fear, but do you have those moments? Like, you're putting yourself out there quite a bit and yeah tell us totally yeah 100% and i think that feeling intensifies like <laughs> the more i care about something mm-hmm. the, s- the more scared i am to do anything with it you know like if i'm like okay i made this thing and i think it's really really good i don't want to hear that it's not good you know <laughs> like that's the ultimate fear and like when i first started doing the podcast i was like okay i have this idea i think it's going to be great and I was just like, man, I'm going to hold off <laughs> and I'm going to hold off. And I like, didn't release it, didn't release it, didn't release it. And I was like, fuck it, let's go, let's do it. And I have to remind myself, like whenever I have something that I want to do that's public facing, I have to look back at all the other times that I've done something that's public facing and look back at my friends being like, hey, man, that was cool. Or like, hey, man, that was like pretty cool. You could have done this and then improving. So like looking at something that you do as like, this is the final product, I think is the wrong way to start it. Because it's not, it never is, unless you're like, okay, well, The Sopranos wrapped. That was the last episode. It's not the final, like, you don't start with the final product ever. Um, And I think keeping that in mind is really like a helpful tool to be like, okay, it's going to get better and better and better, even if it's already great. I have one last question before our last, last question. So what right now, because it's subject to change. Yeah not just professionally and personally, whatever it is, what do you fear most right now? Oh, geez. Um, that you're aware of because it's unconscious. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Like a... my fear of my, our podcast was <laughs> <laughs> unconscious. Not anymore. It's like, on I, the pod. No, I'm like, whatever. What do I fear most? I, I fear losing my passion for things. Being jaded is is something that I never want to be. I never want to wake up and just be like, fuck another day like I have to go eat at a restaurant I have to go see my friend you know like I want to always have passion and interest in the things that I love and I don't want to ever jeopardize that so I think that's probably like waking up without having a zest for life yeah exactly maybe that's part of the next question I'm gonna have you answer what's your point okay my point is that this is, I'm going to end this with a, a quote examination again. Please. Um, <laughs> wait, hold on. May I, can I bring of it course. up so I actually read it right? Yeah, of please course. do. Is Came it prepared. Shakespeare? No, I'm kidding. No, it's not. <laughs> um, I just want to make sure it's the right, it's the line of, it's the line <laughs> of a If you poem. whipped out something like Shakespeare right now, it would be really funny. <laughs> <laughs> if I just go into to be or not to be? It, no, it's, uh, it's from a Mary Oliver poem and it's like, one of, I think, the most misinterpreted quotes in the world. And it has ended up on motivational posters and everything. And it's the line that's um, that's like, what are you going to do with your one true, beautiful, wonderful life? And I think a lot of people are like, oh, what am I going to achieve? What am I going to do? And Mary Oliver was someone that walked around and smelled flowers. Like she was not, she was a poet. She walked through field. And I think the point for me is like, Smelling the flowers is not something you stop to do. That's what you do. Everything else is what you stop to do. And that's kind of how I 
want to live my life. Like that's, I don't want to stop to smell the flowers. I want to smell the flowers all the fucking time. And every once in a while, I'll take a little break and I'll do something else. I mean, beautiful. It's like mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so <laughs> much. That was unbelievable. Thank um, you, so inspired. I'm so proud of you. Oh, I'm so you. like, just love you so much. Thank I you love you. Thank on. you for being here. Thank humbled. you for inviting me. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.